All right, now what I want you to do for the next few minutes is put on your best listening cap and give me your full attention. John chapter 7, if you're there, can you say I'm there? Those of you who don't have Bibles and you're new to the church, we're going to double up, recop, and get some new Bibles because we're dealing by the pound, okay? So we got the Bibles coming, but right now you can hang out hang out with us right up here in the doubtful. Turn me down a little bit, please. John chapter 7 Verse 37 is where we are today. All of our messages are on our MySpace, okay? It's Elevate Chicago. MySpace.com forward slash Elevate Chicago. Check us out. All you need is right there, okay? And then anytime your parents need anything, tell them them to give me a call. But right now we are on John chapter 7, verse 37. And what we're in the middle of is Jesus has been getting messed with by these dudes called the Jews. Everybody say the Jews. Now, that doesn't mean that all the Jews are bad people. It just means that Jesus Christ, by the way, himself was a Jew. But while he was preaching, these Jewish people were very angry with him because he was claiming that he was God. You know, a lot of religions talk about God. There's Hinduism. There's Greek mythology. There's Buddhism. But you see, Jesus wasn't coming just starting another religion. He was not just talking about God. He was walking on water saying, I am God. And the Jewish people began to get very mad and upset with them. And as you're going to learn as we go through the rest of the book of John, they are the ones responsible for crucifying him. That's how the man died. If you ever thought to yourself, man, how did Dito Jesus end up getting killed and whipped and beaten the way he was? That's because he made enemies. And you're in the middle of the book of John right now. We're going verse by verse by verse. And you're learning that, man, he would have all these people hating on him. Somebody say, haters. Look to your neighbor and say, don't hate, just appreciate. Amen. I'm going to preach a whole message on hating one day because I know a lot of haters out there. But people were hating on Jesus. They wanted to put him in jail, and, and man, they were just angry at him. Now he is at this festival. And here at the last and greatest day of the festival, he gives us one of the greatest lessons we will ever hear. That's why don't get mad at God because of your trials. A lot of your trials will bring out the best things of your life, even though you may not feel it. And it doesn't mean what the people are doing around you is right. The people, the way they were treating Jesus was wrong. But it brought out this message, and it's so powerful. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? Look at your other neighbor and say, are you thirsty? Now look at the verse right up here, 37 in your Bibles. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Somebody say, Is anyone thirsty? There you go. That's where your pastor gets his messages from, the Bible, all right? Let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit whom he, uh, those who had believed in him were later to receive. Up to that point, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. On hearing these words, some of, the prof- uh, some of the people said, Surely this man is the prophet. Others said he is the Christ. Everyone say the Christ. And you all remember last week we found out who the Christ is. What, who the Christ is. What's his name? Come on, say it like you're up tonight, y'all. What's his name? Whoa, one more time. What's his name? Jesus. Jesus. That's what we talk him about. Okay. Others said he is the Christ. Still others asked, how can the Christ come from Galilee? Remember, they were all confused. They thought he came from Galilee. But does not the scripture say that Christ will come from David's family and from Bethlehem? That's where he was born. And where David lived, thus the people were divided. Because of Jesus, some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. Brother, just slow me just a little bit down, brother, because I'm going to start preaching. I don't want to hurt people's ears. Okay. 
Now, everybody think about this. Jesus is in the temple. It is a festival, and it's in Jerusalem, and there's hundreds of thousands of people. They are all going to the temple to meet down there to have their church service. So imagine like the taste of Chicago, all these people, and then there being one church down there and everybody getting around it, okay? Jesus had been there the whole week, and now he's going to make his lecture. He's going to tell everybody what's up. But for you to understand what just happened here, I've got to give you some history. What they were celebrating was called the Feast of Tabernacles. Everybody say that with me. One, two, three. Of Tabernacles. Now, what this this festival, feast, was about was remember when Moses took the Israelites out of Egypt? You all remember that, right? Anybody ever seen uh, the Prince of Egypt? Right? Okay. Let my people go. You all remember that? They kind of sing around a little bit. It's kind of funny. Anyways, as they leave Egypt, guess what happens? They stay in the desert. Does anybody know how long the people of Israel in the desert for? Forty years. And where do you think they live? In tents. Another word for tent is a tabernacle. Now, when they got their promised land, which was Israel, that's where Jewish people are from, is from Israel, God said, so that you never forget your sufferings of being in the desert sleeping in tents, once a year you're going to have a festival, and it's going to be called the Feast of Tabernacles, and everybody's going to stay out in front of their yard in tents and cook and barbecue. How many think that would be pretty fun, right? Guys can use the bathroom outside. We'd all like that, right, fellas? Oh, that's gross. Girls, no, never mind. It's funny watching my my wife and I went hiking one time, and yes, she had to use the bathroom, and that was a scary thing. Won't talk about it. But anyway, so they're outside, and they're using the bathroom. They're barbecuing, and guess what? On the last day, remember we just learned, on the last day of the feast, everybody say the last day of the feast, everybody comes to the temple now. So they come out their tents, and they're like, okay, let's go to church. And they all show up at church. And Jesus starts to talk. Look at question number one. What was the Feast of Tabernacles? It was a time when the Israelites slept in tents for a week to remember the exodus or leaving out of Egypt. Number two, what did the priest do on the last and greatest day of the festival? This is what he did. The priest then would stand up in the middle of everybody, and there would be this altar. And I was looking for pictures of it, and I couldn't find it. I was so disappointed because it would be cool. There was this altar and the priest would take water by the buckets, and he would start pouring water on top of the altar, and then he would run down the altar, down the stairs, and it would become like puddles in the temple because the temples of those days were courtyards, okay? And they had little drains because water ever got in, so it was cool. They weren't going to flood the place, but he would pour water. And the whole point of this was when they left Egypt and got to the promised land, God promised them that his spirit would always be with them, his spirit. Everybody say his spirit. And when they lived in Israel and they had Jerusalem and the temple, what began to happen is they began to sin. And they began to break God's heart and God's spirit left. And that's a a true statement. You guys need to understand that. I know we've just talked about God will always love you. I was singing that in the song today. God will always love you. But you can get to the point where God will love you, but he won't do what you do. He won't go where you go. I know a lot of you think deep though Jesus is going to follow you to the bar and the club and all that. He's everywhere. He can watch you, but he will not be in your life. He will not be a part of you. You all understand what I'm talking about. He will watch you as a judge. He will watch you as a judge and say, hey, I see what they're doing. But he won't be in your life. And so what happened in the temple is the spirit left. God left the temple. Somebody say God left the building. 
And that's a bad thing when God leaves the building, okay? Especially when he leaves his own church. And so what these Jewish people would do once a year, because God's presence wasn't there anymore. How many people have ever been to church and it says, dead as a door now, you don't feel Jesus? You don't feel anything? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so they would just go to their church, and it was no power, no tears, no testimonies. And so what the priest began to do was take water, pour it over the altar, let it hit the steps, come down. And what it was to show the people was one day God's going to come back here. One day God's spirit will come back here, and we'll all feel him again. Just like how we're walking in water with our sandals right now, they're saying, you'll all feel him again. Now watch this, dude. Tell me this is not blow your mind. On that day, Jesus stands up, and he says, if any man is thirsty, let him come unto me and drink. You see, what Jesus Christ said is right there, is all of the people who were dry on the inside, who hadn't felt God's spirit, he was saying, I will give you something to drink. And whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, streams of living water will flow from him. So Jesus stands up on that day, water flowing down. And he says, all you guys missing God's presence, you're missing the spirit of God. He says, believe in me and I will fill you up. About four of you got excited. The rest of you, you must be kind of dry right now. You must be thirsty. Listen to me because I want you to understand that today the world you are living in is a desert. You will not find anything to satisfy your soul. You can turn to music and, and all the things that these, these guys talk about, sex and parties, and you will be empty. That will be your soul. You can turn to education. You can get your Ph.D. Nothing wrong with education. But you can become the smartest person around, Albert Einstein, and you will be dry in your soul. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you came to Jesus and said, fill me up? Think about how many movies you've watched this week. Hours. You spent hours in front of a a, a plasma glass screen and with the DVD playing fantasies. And you've gotten up and went to bed and you were still the same, empty in your soul. Think about how much you've spent on the, time, on the phone talking to your friends. Friends, talking, talking. Think about all the time you spent on MySpace. And still, after all of it, your soul was still empty. You know what Jesus Christ came to do? He came to fill your soul with His Spirit. He came to fill your soul with His Spirit. Those of us who have sex here, we we used to do it. I'll tell you right now, sex will not fill your soul. Those of you who who used to rob like me and have lots of money, it won't fill your soul. Those of you like me who get A's and get your college education, you're understanding that that won't fill your soul. My wife, even with her beautiful baby, she's saying, man, I'm, I'm excited, but I'm not as excited as I thought I would be. You know what I told her? I said, you know what, because you made having children out to be like it was going to be so special that would take the place of God. Nothing, not children, not your family, not money, not education can fill the emptiness of your soul. Jesus Christ stood up. He told the people, if anyone is thirsty, come unto me and drink. Now, here's the thing. Some of you are thirsty and dying of thirst, and you don't even know it. Because what you keep going after doesn't satisfy you, but what it does is it gives you that bloated feeling. They say that you can get dehydrated drinking alcohol. You'll be putting down alcohol. You'll be gulping it down. You can gulp it down fifths of vodka. And you know what? You can pass out on the sun. You know why? Because in all of that liquid you're drinking, you're not getting water to refresh you. And some of you right here, you're getting so drunk on the world. You're getting so drunk on your boyfriend and girlfriend that you think you're all right, but really you're passing out. The devil's using and abusing you. And you're empty on the inside. And here's what Jesus says to you. If you can get thirsty and come to him, he will fill you up. And then on the inside of you, 
a river will begin to flow. And he said right up here what that river was. He said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, streams of living water will flow from within them. Now look at verse 39. By this he meant the what? Somebody say like you mean it. By this he meant the what? The spirit whom those were to believe in him later to receive. So you know what God is saying? Nothing can satisfy you on the inside except his spirit. Look at your neighbor and say, are you thirsty? Turn with me in your Bible to Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Number 3, number 2 rather, what did the priest do on the last and greatest day of the festival? He poured out water over the altar. Number 3, what did Jesus stand up and say in a loud voice? Is anyone thirsty? Come to me and drink. What does it mean to be spiritually thirsty? To be empty without God. And look at the, the next question. How is the world? spiritually thirsty you know how they use that term today like if you're anxious like you know like you tell your little brother we're going to go to great america like you tell him you're going to go in july and like every day now he's waking up he's like when are we going to great america when are we going to great america and you're like look you thirsty right and you y'all heard that i said like that before that's how we should be with god When's God coming back when will i get to go to church and feel his presence again god i'm thirsty I'm thirsty for God. Twelve years ago, my soul was empty like that desert. No water, no peace, no joy. And Jesus Christ, he just reached down his heaven and he just took out a little bit of his water and he just dipped it. He just dipped me in his spirit. And I began to feel the joy of knowing God. And I have never stopped thirsting after him. Today I'm thirsting after him. I want more of God. Young people, do not come to church just for religion. Those Jewish people were coming for religion, and they were doing all this symbolic stuff. And Jesus said, look, man, y'all don't have to do that. Come to me, and I'll fill you up. You have to start today and say, I want God's Spirit. Somebody say, I'm thirsty. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Here's when the Spirit came, because we just learned in John that when he was actually telling this to the disciples and to the people there, that the Holy Spirit had not yet come. So look at when the Holy Spirit did come, Acts 1, 4. On one occasion while he was eating with them, this is Jesus talking, he gave them this command. Look what he told them. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. So he said, y'all, my first disciples, don't leave Jerusalem till the gift comes, which you have heard me speak about. Now look at verse 5. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with what? Come on, say it again. Baptized with what? Look at your neighbor and shout it. One, two, three. Holy He said, y'all need to get baptized with the Holy Spirit. When we see somebody come to Christ, what do we do? We baptize them in water. Think about that, right? Did you ever know why somebody was baptized? They are baptized to show they come to the baptismal tank dry. That means they are a dry, dirty sinner. They come into the tank. They half in, water down here, half out. They then tell their testimony. This is what God did in my life. This is why I believe in him. Then the man pronounces in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, baptizes him. Now they all soaking wet, right? Come up soaking wet because we don't leave them down there to drown. Come up there soaking wet and walk out. What does that mean? You come in this world as a dry, dirty sinner. You come to a point in your life where you make a choice, heaven or hell. 
to keep living a dry life or get down with Jesus and get filled up. When you confess his name, Jesus Christ is Lord, you are then dunked in the Holy Spirit. And when you come out, you are dripping and drenching with God's presence. And for the rest of your life, that's symbolic that God is filling you, satisfying you in every part of your life. You may be at a funeral, people all around you dry and dead and hurting, but you feel God's presence bring you peace. You may go to school and you see a desert and you see people hurting and violent and, and perverted and angry and all of those things, but you soaked with the, with the saturation of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say, baptize me, Jesus. Come on, say it. Baptize me, Jesus, in the Holy Spirit. Now look at that. He said, y'all, he's about ready to leave the heaven. And he says, y'all do not leave until you get the Holy Spirit. Now look at Acts 2, 1. When the day of Pentecost came, what day came? That was another Jewish festival. We'll talk about that later. But when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly the blowing, the sound of a blowing violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then each one of them saw tongues of fire that separated and came down to rest on them. And all of them were filled with the what? Somebody shouted out, were filled with the what? The Holy Spirit and began to what? Speak in other tongues as the Spirit enables them. So sometimes you've come around here and you've heard us praying like, and you're like, man, where'd they learn that language? Man, how'd they do that? You know how we do that? Because we've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now look right there. He says it's like water. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So there's the illustration of Holy Spirit being like water. And Jesus said, water will flow from you. Now when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, he came down like fuego, fire. And he wants you to understand it's like fire and water all at the same time. When God's presence comes inside of you, he will refresh you. He will bless you. He will give you all the nutrients that you need to go on. And then he will set your life on fire, baby. You will be hot for Jesus Christ. And you will be able to go out and preach his gospel. Live holy because you got his fuego. Somebody say amen. I want you to think about number six. When did God send the Holy Spirit? On Pentecost, what happened? <sighs> Sound of a mighty wind came. Tongues that looked like fire, so dancing fire, came and sat on their head. And they began to speak with other tongues. You see, Jesus Christ was talking about some crazy church right here. He wasn't talking about, oh. He was talking about when the Holy Spirit comes, it comes like fire. It comes like a flood. And I want to ask some of you a question. Do you think of God that way? Or do you think this is just religion? When we're up here singing and we're up here worshiping God, do you know what we're doing? We are feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit. Some people have come here dry and they're hurting and God begins to pour his water on them. And he says, here you go, my daughter. Let this quench your thirst. Let this quench all the pain inside your soul. Another person may be standing up here, and they're feeling a little weak. They're feeling like they've been tempted this week by their friends and their peers. And then Jesus Christ is like pouring gasoline on them. And he's like, here you go, man. Blaze for me, son. Blaze. Don't let the fire die out. Some of y'all just stand like this, though. Oh, this is going to be done. Some of y'all listening to me to preach right now. You're like, oh, whatever. Whatever, man. He said, it's anyone thirsty you could just hear him stand up and say is anyone thirsty you know what well, you could have just looked at him and like no i ain't thirsty 
Many people did. Many people that day just said, I ain't thirsty. What is this man talking about? I don't want nothing from him. Some of you all can come to this church right now and be like, oh, they're asking me if I want to worship. They're asking me if I want to give my life to God. Ah, I'm fine. I don't need that. I'm not that bad. I don't sell drugs. I'm okay. But you know what you're missing? You're missing God in your life. You were created in God's image. Yes, your mom and dad got together one day listening to, you know, Al Green and let's get it on. And then a few months later you came out. But you know where the human race came from? The human race came from God's creation. He created us. And you know what? He made you more than a mind. You're more than just your thoughts. You're more than just your body. Pinch your neighbor and say you're more than just this body. Do you know what you are? You are a spirit on the inside. Somebody say, I'm a spirit on the inside. You are more than just your mind. That's called your soul. You are more than just your body. You are a spirit. God created you with a body, with a soul, and with a spirit. And here's what God is saying. He wants to touch your spirit. Ladies, you may have a guy touch you, but he can never touch your spirit. Fellas, you may want to touch a woman. But that will never bring peace to your spirit. And all the men that have been there and still came home empty on the inside, somebody say, I. You see, you can be all that you want to be in this world, and nothing will touch your spirit. The only thing that can come through you like water, come through you like fire, is the Holy Spirit of God. Now, who is our God? He is the Father, He is the Son, and He is the Holy Spirit. See, a lot of people forgot about Him. It's like father and son, father and son. Forgot about the Holy Spirit. Do you know that the Father's in heaven right now? Do you know that he watches over all this earth? Do you know that Jesus Christ, after he was crucified, rose again, he went to heaven? So who's here right now? I say God is with me, right? Don't you all say God lives in here? And we point to our heart. What do we really say? We say, oh, God's in my spirit, all right? Okay. But what God? How is God? His spirit. You see, y'all got to understand, when Jesus was leaving in that scripture we just read in Acts 1-4, he said, don't leave Jerusalem until the gift my Father promised comes, because you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You see, what Jesus Christ was saying is the Holy Spirit will be God in you. Where the Holy Spirit is, there's the Father and the Son, because the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they are one. Somebody say Trinity. So the Son goes up to heaven. And he says, here's my spirit. Before he left, he told those Jews that one day as the water was flowing down the temple, is anyone thirsty? Let them come unto me. And I want to give you four things that the spirit will bring. Everyone turn with me to John chapter 3. If you're learning something, somebody say, preach it. Come on, it's good to see everybody here tonight. We ain't going to treat you like children. We're going to preach to you like young adults, man. I want some of you all to take another dose of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says don't be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit of God. Some of y'all need to get hooked on Jesus because there ain't no high like the Most High. You need to get the fuego of God, man. Get rid of your religion. It's okay if you want to wear that cross. It's okay on Easter if you want to go to some other church. But listen to me. You better pick a church that you feel Jesus. You better pick a church that if you're having a bad day, you can feel his presence when the people pray. You better pick a church that when you messed up and tore up from the floor up, you come up in here and somebody prays and lays their hands on you and devils and evil spirits run. Oh, y'all looking at me like I'm crazy right now. 
That's why you need to get prayed for. Some of you right now, you smoking and drinking, playing around. We're going to cast the evil spirits out of you. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, he's stronger than all other spirits. Some of you here right now, you know you're lying to your parents. You know that you lying to other people. You need to stop lying and get right with God. Some of you here, you come to church and you act cute and you go out here and you act another way. You don't think that God watches you. He does. And you don't have his spirit. Now, I want you to think about if you called on Jesus and you all began to feel the Holy Spirit, if you began to come to church and it wasn't just dry and you began to feel his presence, you would know that something is different. You see, you need to come to a church where you can feel the Holy Spirit come. Imagine that when we worshiping. Imagine that when we're worshiping. Let me give everybody's attention. Imagine us worshiping and somebody, you just see tears coming down their eyes. Why? The Holy Spirit is touching them. Just like how that water touched your body, the Holy Spirit is touching their spirit like water. All of a sudden, you're worshiping up here in time of prayer. And all of a sudden, you hear somebody shout, Thank you, Jesus! You know why? Because somebody just stuck their hand in the light socket of God and was like, wow! Because I'm going to tell you something. When you come to church and you open up your heart and say, God, if you're real, hit me with your best shot, you will feel his fire in his river of the Spirit. Somebody say, I Look at John 3. The first thing that you need by the Spirit is life. What are you going to do when your body dies? Some people think today, I don't need God. No more water for you guys. I need it. Some of you say right now, what do, what do I need God for? Listen to me. I'm going to tell you what you need God for. Let's say you're not a bad person. Let's say right now you, you give to the church. Let's say you help old ladies cross the street. Let's say you obey your parents. You do everything in school. You might say, well, what do I need to feel his fire for, feel his spirit? Look at what it says in John 3. This was a few chapters back. Look what the man said. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the And the spirit, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to what? So you must not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Look at what he says. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the... Have you been born of the spirit? Come on. Have you been born of the spirit? You have your flesh. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Mom got together with dad, now came flesh. Well, where's your spirit right now? Some of y'all hooking up with evil spirits. Some of y'all hooking up with anger and violence and perversion and lying and rebellion. And that's why what do you have? You have your spirit plus evil spirit equals your evil actions on this earth. But look at what God said. When you get with his big spirit, capital S, it will give birth to your little spirit. Your spirit will come alive to God. That's what Liz was sharing. Liz was sharing with you the difference between growing up in church, hearing, or rather she didn't hear about it, but uh, Gilbert rather was telling you the difference from growing up in church and hearing about God and then actually being born again. That's the difference. It's not just, man, I come to church. No, it's Jesus lives in me. How do I know Jesus lives in me? His spirit's in me. Well, how do I know? Because I can hear the sound of his voice. I can feel the wind. I can feel the fire. I can feel the refreshing of the water. He says that's just what the spirit's like. It's like the wind. You stand outside right now, you'll feel the wind breeze. Can you see it? No. But you'll hear it and you'll feel it. 
Number one thing you need the Spirit of God for right now is for Him to birth in you a new spirit. Everybody say, be born again. Look at Galatians chapter 5 for number 2. Somebody say, the fruit of the Spirit. I hope some of y'all are getting this here. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. You need to be born again of the Spirit. Tonight, if you come up here, there is nothing special about this tile. There is nothing special about the altar up here, the, the carpet on this little wooden stage. There is nothing special about this building. And let me tell you something. There ain't nothing special about your cathedral either, okay? Because I'm going to tell you the only thing that counts. If you walk up here today as a sinner, as Gilbert said, a wretched sinner, and you say, I have sinned, and you call on Jesus, his spirit will be here. I got born again in my mother's house at the kitchen table. Just right there, my mother said, call on Jesus. He'll change you. I used to do drugs every day of my life. I did hard drugs. I, I, was, I was an angry person. And I was sitting there that day, and I wanted to be put in a rehab because I couldn't stop doing drugs. And my mother said, just call on Jesus. Just call on Jesus. That's why we sing his name in our service. And I just sat there, and I said, Jesus if you're real, show me that you're real. And that was the most dangerous prayer I could have ever prayed. Because at that moment, you think Chicago is a windy city. Listen to me, baby. When I called on his name, I just, ah, I felt Jesus, man. Tears started coming down my eyes. I had not cried since I was a little boy, 11 years old. I was 18 years old. I began to feel his presence. I then took the Bible that my mom gave me. And I said, thank you, thank you. And I was kind of scared, so I left. And I went back to the girl's house I was living with. And I just opened up my Bible. And I began to read it. And my knees began to buckle and to shake. And I just fell down to my knees crying. And I just was feeling that fire of God. And then I got up and I took the Bible. And I said, man, what is going on with me and some of y'all haven't even heard this but I looked at the mirror and I said what's going on with me and I can see nothing but evil on the inside of me and God was shaking me and he said I want to get it all out and I called up my parents and I said man I am scared out of my mind because I'm all I'm seeing is evil spirits and I'm crying I can't stop crying they said come home so I got led to the Lord at the kitchen table and then when I came back home at the living room on the couch I was just weeping and my dad laying his hand on me said devil let go of him. I curse violence. I curse drugs. I curse all that. Devil, loose them and let them go. And I never touch drugs, alcohol, any of those things ever again. Not 12 steps. One step to Jesus Christ. That's salvation. Amen. That's salvation. That is the salvation that Adolfo experienced. That is the salvation that Adam in the back experienced. Am I telling the truth, John? Amen. That is the salvation that that brother experienced. It is the fire of God. It is the river of God. Is anyone thirsty for God in this house? Make some noise. We're thirsty for you, God. Jesus, I love the Lord. Look at Galatians 5. Number two, it's going to bring the fruit of the Spirit. The Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. To those who belong to Christ Jesus, they've crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit. See, now if you live by the Spirit, look what it says. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. See, the Spirit going to move you in life. Tell you who to date. Tell you who to be with. Tell you what to do on Friday nights. And let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. So look what the Bible says. Once the Spirit's inside of you, you know how it says it now? We've learned that it's fire and water. Now look what it says, like fruit. 
He doesn't say fruits of the Spirit. He says one fruit, but there's many parts of it. So I want you to think of this fruit like an orange. An orange is just one fruit. Here it is. But it's got many strips, many pieces. And when you've got God living on the inside of you, what do you have? You've got love. You've got joy. You've got peace. You've got patience. You've got kindness. You've got goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How many want to have a bite of that orange? How many want a piece of that? Come on. You see, how many want that? You see, the Bible says there's no law against that. See, right now they're going to tell you how much you can drink. You go to a bar, they're going to cut you off. You can't have any more. You try to have more than one wife, they're going to call that polygamy. Like these boys in, in Texas all getting arrested because they're having like ten hives and all of that. Listen, but the Bible says there ain't no law against that. You can have all the love you want. You can come to God every day and say, God, I'm so thirsty for your love. Fill me up. You can say, God, I want joy, joy more than I've ever felt before. You can be going through the hardest time of your life, and Jesus can give you so much joy, you still be smiling. People are like, you crazy. You're like, no, I'm just high on Jesus. Yeah. I'm going to tell you what. My sister died. I was sleeping in my house, and I was staying there over break because I was in Bible college, and my, my mother woke me up. At 5 in the morning, and the first thing she said to me, just bawling, just tears streaming down her face. And people, you know, if you've lost somebody, what that terrifying feeling is like. She just looked at me and she said, Jenny is dead. We've got to go bury her. We've got to go to the funeral. And then she just broke down on my bed. I got up. I took my mother in my arms as she is breaking down. I turned her then, and we both hit our knees. And I said, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I said, God, this is not an accident. You knew that this would happen, and you will give me the strength to go through this. My mother said that there was weeping and there was hardship, but the Bible says though weeping may endure for the night, joy comes in the morning. Eventually, God healed the pain of losing our sister, my, her daughter, and God brought us out. Some people on depression medication still can't get no better. You see, there's no law against God's love, his joy, his peace, his patience, his kindness, his goodness, his gentleness, his self-control. He wants you to have it in your life. Look at your neighbor and say, are you thirsty? I want you to look at the next thing. Turn with me to 2 Timothy 1, 7. We're learning today in John 3 that the Spirit of God gives us life. We're learning today in Galatians 5 that it gives us fruit, love, and joy, and all the things that we truly need. And now we're going to learn in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, is that it gives us power. Somebody say, dynamite! Y'all ain't saying it like you, J.J., from good times. Somebody say, dynamite! There you go. Now, everybody look at 2 Timothy 1.7. Look what the Bible says. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity. You know what that word timidity means? It means fear. I'm afraid to live for God because of what my friends will think. Shh. I'm a secret Christian. Don't tell anybody in the lunchroom. I'm an undercover Christian. Right? Standing next to your friends. Everybody, you know, around you is laughing and giggling. And, and, and then we're like, raise your hands. And you're like, so scary. I want to but I can't. Oh. And then, like, you know, you're trying to play. Oh, you know what he says about that spirit of fear? God didn't give you that. That comes from the devil. Some of you are weak and timid. But you go out on these streets, you'll scream and holler. Like, hey, what's up? 
And you come to church and we'll be like, scream Jesus. You're like, Jesus. You know why? Because you're weak and timid. You're a coward. And the Bible says that's why you got to get the fuego de Dios of the Espíritu Santo. You better get some God, Holy Spirit up in you. Because God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, in a sound discipline, self-discipline. God will set you on fire. Somebody say, power. You see, some of y'all have watched you out on these streets so many times. I go out to the schools. I see it all the time. Teenagers crazy. Teenagers getting loud. All I have to do is bring you to your favorite soccer game, baseball game, football game, and everybody will be screaming. Bring you to your favorite club. Y'all be dancing. Bah, 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 bah. You know what I'm saying? Botata or bachata. I'm sorry. Rampa. Pampa. And you won't even care who's looking at you. But you come to church, you can't even jump. You've got a spirit of fear. You need to make a trade and get God's spirit of power. Somebody say, preach it. Amen. Turn to the last one with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Is anyone thirsty? Is anyone thirsty? Man, I could just see people like Peter that day. When Jesus said, is anyone thirsty? He was like, man, I'm thirsty. Man, I'm married. I got a family and kids. I work 12 hours a day as a fisherman, and it just don't fill me up. I could just see Peter raising his hand, man, I'm thirsty, Jesus. I don't care what anybody else thinks, man, I need you. I could see John. The Bible, the book we're reading today, uh, John, this whole series comes out of John verse by verse. He was a 16-year-old boy. 16 years old following Jesus. All these grown people hating on Jesus. And I could just see, after Jesus stood up and says, anyone thirsty? I could just see John, just 16 years old, stand up saying, hey, man, Jesus, I am with you, man. I am so thirsty. Give me the living water of your spirit. Look at 1 Corinthians 12. If you're there, somebody say, I'm there. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one just as He determines. Do you know that the Bible says that you and I can get so full of the Holy Spirit that God can gift us to lay hands on sick people and they get healed? Listen to everybody in the discipleship class. All y'all want to be radical for God? You can lay your hands on sick people and ask them to be healed, and God can do miracles. The Bible says you can have prophecy. Instead of calling up 1-900, you can look at your friend one day and say, Hey, man. I know what you were doing last night in, in the bathroom with that magazine and that strawberry jam jelly and all of that. Say, man, you need to repent. Hello? You could show up to school the next day, ladies, and be like, look, girl, I know who you lusted after last night as you went to bed calling out his name and rubbing yourself saying, oh, he loves me. Oh, yes. Oh, Yes. What if somebody told the secrets of your life? See, the Bible says spiritually discerning people can. There's been times, there was this one time, I was praying with this woman. It was up at the altar, and all of a sudden, this evil spirit came out of her. She started growling. This is not a game. This is not a joke. This is the real deal. She started growling, and she was just a little old lady, but she was growling. And all of a sudden, I said, devil, shut up in the name of Jesus. And she just shut up because she had an evil spirit. Y'all laughing. This ain't funny. 
And I started to talk to this woman. I said, sister, what happened in your life? And she started growling. And I said, devil, I told you to shut up. Sister, in the name of Jesus, tell me what happened. And she said, my son was murdered right in front of me. And she said, I have hated that man that killed my son my entire life. She says, I am so hateful on the inside. I said, sister, you've got a spirit of anger that is coming out in this service. And if you want that spirit to get out of your life, you've got to tell it yourself. Say, devil, get out of my life. Take your evil, your anger. Some of you all think this is a game, but it's real. And she began to cry out, Jesus, take the hatred out of my soul. Take out the anger. And we said, devil, loose her in Jesus' name. And the woman fell straight back, began to shake and got up and was never the same again. You see, there's power in the name of Jesus. We are not just coming here to play games. This is not Star Wars. This is not make-believe. The Bible says that when God begins to give you his new life, He begins to give you fruit. He begins to develop your character. That's what the fruit of the Spirit does. He then begins to give you power. And then He begins to give you gifts. Why don't you stand up with me today and ask yourself the question, am I thirsty? Jesus asked that question to the people that were around Him. And He said to them, is anyone thirsty? You know where he got that from, that idea of being thirsty and and coming and drinking? Look what David said about a thousand years before Jesus. Psalm 63, 1 through 5. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the riches of food. With singing lips my mouth will praise you. I want everyone to do that now who is thirsty in this place. Just lift up your hands and sing out to God. Just begin to worship Him. It may be quiet for a few minutes because some of you are going to care what your friends think. But I'm going to wait till there's a roar in this place before we move on. Because today God says if you're thirsty, He will fill you up. All you've got to do is just raise up your hands and call out on Him. If you're a lost person today, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, I invite you to this altar as we begin to start worshiping Him. And just come to your knees and begin to call out on His name because He will save you today because He loves you. Some of you think worship is from a song and a guitar. David said, I'll just raise up my hands and do it all by myself. If my neighbor don't do it, I'm going to do it. Somebody needs to let out a shout. Somebody needs to get excited for God today. Somebody needs 
to not worry about what other people think. Who cares what people think? This is how the service is going to go right now. People who are thirsty are not going to talk to me. They're going to talk to God.